When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like acting out, dating your professor, <laughs> and when they're ready to date, but not ready to date you. Damn, girl, why'd you have to come at me like that? <laughs> <laughs> but before we begin, let's just give everyone our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed or qualified to do this podcast. Absolutely. Sam and I are fallible humans who are learning as we go. But... um even more important than that, we have no credentials. We have no qualifications. <laughs> we are not professional relationship advice givers. Uh, no, we're not. Yes. And we have not like gone to school for this. So please take our advice as you see fit in your life. We are just here to offer our humble music and selfly shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. So yes. Oh, you are squinting. What's going on here? <laughs> Oh, you made me wake up at 8.30 in the morning to record this podcast. So. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry, grown-ass man in your 30s. Wake up at 8.30. Listen, it's a Saturday. I want to sleep in. And you were like, no, let's do this at the time you normally start work. I know. So, like, here I am. I love you. Thank you for showing up for me and our listeners. And on that note, thank you to our listeners for showing up for us um, in light of our most recent amazing announcement, which is that Just Break Up is going exclusive on spotify october 19th yes we announced it last week and sam and i were both very nervous and um y'all were so celebratory and so happy for us and we couldn't be more grateful and honestly like so we were reading the tweets and the instagram messages and stuff and even the people who were like okay, I guess I'll finally switch to Spotify, did it in a way that was like, but I would literally walk to the end of the earth for you. So um, <laughs> Sam and I just feel so loved and supported. And we know that this, you know, um, I think last week we said that we're hoping this small inconvenience would be worth it for our listeners. And mm -hmm. um, it's not even like an inconvenience, like, uh, we also have gotten a lot of great messages that are like, people are really liking the changes happening on the Spotify, um, mm -hmm. uh, interface and, you know, or a lot of you already listen to us on Spotify. So like, we're just, we're just overall really grateful. Um, and we want to say thanks for supporting us, uh, in this big transition. Yeah, it's crazy how many people were like, I already listened to Spotify music. I don't know why I haven't listened to podcasts on there. Yeah, and, totally. And it's like, 
literally they're the same the exact same app so it's like super easy to just start downloading podcasts and listening to them and then if you're tired you can be like cool I'm going to listen to the chicks right now. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. And before we dive into this week's check-in topic, uh, we just want to remind you, and we'll say this again for like the rest of time, um, <laughs> <laughs> but if you haven't tried Spotify already, it is 100% free to download and use on any device. There's like a big mix- misconception out there um, because of their premium account, um, which does cost money, but there is a free basic membership that no credit card needed. Um, and you still get to, um, stream for free on Spotify, even download to listen offline. Uh, and that's all available for free. You'll get a great podcast listening experience, plus all your favorite music as Sam said. So, um, check it out on Spotify. You can follow us on Spotify right now. Start making that transition, download for free on any, app we're we're making the big exclusive move on october 19th we're we're dtring determining our relationship with spotify that's right and that means that uh, all new episodes will be on spotify as well as the entire back catalog so it will it will be the only place that you will be able to listen to our episodes yes. um, so <clears throat> our podcast is continue... now monogamous <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so if you want to continue listening you're gonna have to download the app or if you already have it just search for us and we'll pop up and then you can follow us and then you're set that's mm-hmm. all you need to do you don't need to put in a credit card you don't need to pay any money it's all free it's all there um, and we're super excited about it. And we're excited that um, Spotify is choosing to invest in us and really, really commit yeah. to the growth and longevity of our show. So this is this is all good news. It's a change, but it's all good news. Yeah. Change is good. Lean into discomfort. You know, yet as we <laughs> yeah, say right? in every other answer, you know, <laughs> um, you know, what's funny, though, is if I think about us as like a as a relationship that's going exclusive on October 19th, it's like, do we, do you and I have like a moral obligation to like act out the next like 30 weeks, you know, like <laughs> we're going to be all over all others, podcast listening platforms, like just getting mm-hmm. it in while we can <laughs> before no, we, yeah. sowing our wild oats before yes, we have it's to, like, this is our bachelor party weeks, you know, so <laughs> enjoy with us the next couple of weeks. And then we're going to, we're going to lock it down. Um, Okay, let's get into our check-in topic, which I actually love. I've been waiting to answer this one. Yeah, let's do it. So this is from Marie Kondo Wannabe. <laughs> um, and basically, um, the I'm just going to read one paragraph of this letter because it's really the important thing that we want to talk about. So um, basically, uh, Marie Kondo Wannabe broke up with her ex. Um, and so she's wondering, what do I do with all of the sentimental remnants of our relationship? Pictures, gifts, handwritten letters, etc. I'm a minimalist at heart, and I thoroughly enjoy getting rid of things that I don't need anymore. Is it crude for me to toss them? I definitely do not want to go back and read them because it kills me to know how sweet he was during mm. our love bombing phase and to remember how optimistic I felt about him being the one for me. I felt like the normal thing to do is to put them all in a box and keep it under my bed. But that kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. Sleeping above the remnants of our relationship every night has got me feeling some bad juju. Thoughts? Oh my God, I love this question. Really quickly, I want to divine love bombing because I feel like we actually have talked about it but not talked about it directly on the podcast. 
And so like, I'm going to do it in five seconds and then we're going to move on and maybe we'll talk about it in a different letter. Love bombing is like when your shitty partner who always like acts out and makes you feel anxious or unworthy or whatever, or, you know, who one day tells you to like go jump off a cliff and then next day texts you 30 times in a row how much they can't live without you, that you're they're they're the love of your life, their life. Um, and they want to be with you forever. And they're the, you're the most beautiful, kind thing ever. And they buy you flowers and everything. It's the idea that they bomb you with all this love to make you feel overwhelmed and loved and taken care of to forget about the shitty behavior. Um, and like total transparency, like I absolutely have done that in unhealthy times of my life when mm-hmm. I felt like I was losing someone who I mistreated, who, who was establishing their boundaries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I just wanted to put that out there um, because I know like a ton of light bulbs are going to be going off for some people who have never heard that before. But yeah, I had never heard it before. So thank you for explaining it. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So love, yeah. you know, I think you for sure have probably experienced that at some point in your life, right? I definitely have. Yes. All right. So getting back to the letter, though, um, summarizing, what should we do with sentimental gifts or like? little memorabilia from a relationship and are we a calloused bitch if we throw it away i'm gonna say (laughs) i'm gonna say absolutely not um but like caveat from my experience is i am just like a sensitive tender hearted person who has terrible boundaries so (laughs) um when i break up with someone or like i'm dumped I delete their phone numbres, I delete pictures of them i mm. del- i I throw away the notes and the sentimentality or donate I'm a huge donate person like reuse recycle you know reduce <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um and uh I do that because I'm just generally oversensitive and don't want to be brought back into an emotional place, kind of like a Maria Kondo wannabe letter writer. You know, you don't want to see how sweet they were or like you don't want to think about how much you miss them or whatever. I'm I'm just like a cleanser. I just like get rid of things. But that being said, if they bought me like a really nice winter coat that was like going to get me through a Minnesota winter, I would keep the useful things yeah, um, and sure. justify the keeping because I'm like, well, this keeps, you know, this is this has a useful purpose. But like notes, printed photographs I get rid of. And I don't think it makes us callous because like, again... I, I heard a quote in the show, um, the politician last night that I haven't been, that I couldn't stop thinking about. Um, it's like, uh, a completely selfless person can't survive or something like that. I'm butchering it. Um, but it's the <laughs> idea of like, you know, you can't be a hundred percent kind and selfless all the time. You will, you'll starve. Mm-hmm. You'll, you you can't survive that way. You you have to be self-filled. You have to be self-focused at some point or another. And I think yep. getting rid of things that might make you sad is a part of that act of self-love. Yeah, I would agree with that. I am also not a super sentimental person. Um, and for me, part of getting over heartbreak is to remember the bad things right (laughs) and Mm, like try and yeah totally try and spend less time focusing on the good things um and so i yeah i would say that that's i do the same thing of like i tend to get rid of things except for literally a coat so (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a I great example. <laughs> I said that I made that up, you know, but I now I'm remembering this story. <laughs> yes. A very, very expensive coat that my ex bought me after we broke up um, that I still have because it was it's like a legit, very nice coat. It's too big for me, though. So maybe I'll sell it. If anyone is interested no, in no, a Barracuda you, you, coat, you, you are hit me up in my DMs. You bulked up. <laughs> You bulked up in in quarantine, so like you're good now. <laughs> that's that's not true. I've lost weight, but that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, so I don't think it. I think what I the number one thing I wanted to touch on is like it doesn't make you callous if you get rid of things. Obviously, everyone has their own sentimentality, their own relationship to objects or memorabilia or whatever. I will say, keeping things is okay. You know. Um, mm-hmm. in preparing for this episode, I asked Willow about it because I know her and I have totally different experiences. A couple background things. One, Willow is almost always exclusively the dumpy, like she dumps people. And she also has a ton <laughs> of, I know, I know, painful for me. <laughs> um, but she also has a ton of emotional, personal clarity. Like she has a really strong sense of self. So like she knows when things are over, it's like time for things to be over, you know, um, which I don't have, um, which is why I need to be more black and white with the sentimentality. I need to be like, nope, over you or I'm going to cry about you forever. Um, and so Willow said that she does get rid of like sentiment, like notes and things like that. But she doesn't mind remembering the good times because then it makes it feel like she didn't waste her time or like, it, you know, she's one of those weird anomalies of like not she doesn't mind remembering the good things and i'm over here like uh i fucking never want to remember the good things <laughs> like mm-hmm. i want to i want to pretend they literally never existed so that i can get over you faster um mm-hmm. anyway i share that to be like well there it's everybody's different but um you know being married to someone who had or has things from exes uh could be tricky for me but then I remember that everybody's different or whatever. And also, and here's, I'm being very long-winded, getting to the piece of advice. To to have things from your exes, you have to make sure you, you can like um, either disassociate them from an ex to a certain point. Um, like to be able to move forward in new relationships, you know. Mm-hmm. Or like if you're hella sentimental, like have a sentimental box that you keep in your closet but you don't like look at regularly. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, do we have advice for people to be able to move forward while keeping stuff in a healthy way? I don't know that I do because it, it's not something that I do. Right. I know. But I will say that like, I recently discovered all of my, my mom gave me a box from her house. And then oh my God. I oh recently God. discovered all of the letters that um, my high school girlfriend and I exchanged. Uh, <laughs> and it was very illuminating to, to be me? like, <laughs> yes i will read them to you i'm not reading them on this podcast <laughs> she did not consent oh, to please, that please come on um, patreon okay. <laughs> um which which was like actually helpful for me to like see my younger self and like understand some of the ways in which that relationship really impacted me and like who i am today so like i can understand mm-hmm. that that can be a good thing but also high school was like 15 years ago. So like, I feel like really equipped to be able to handle the emotional bullshit that came up with that. Um, But I don't know, you could keep it in a box and um, 
I mean, I guess that's it is like you have to keep it in a place and you have to trust that you're not going to like pull it down and start reading it and like feeling bad. You well, don't have so- to put it under your bed because like I understand like that's weird. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you're sleeping on the path, your relationship no, past. It's more like um, I, I'm thinking about some people who wrote us or DM'd us in the past that are like, uh, I have this sweatshirt from my boyfriend's and I fucking love it. Like, is it wrong oh, that I love that. to no. wear it? You know what I mean? Whatever. What what we mean like a metaphorical box in the closet because it's like if you can if you can interact with this object or this item and not be um jetted back to a place of nostalgia for some someone or some place that you shouldn't want to be nostalgic for, then that's the goal, right? Like you want you want to be able to put on the sweatshirt and not miss the relationship. You want to be able to look at the note and reflect and be like, oh, this is where I was. This is who I loved. This is mm-hmm. who I was at this time, but not be nostalgic for it. You know, recognize that it was a different time and place and you were a different person. And I am just not that strong of a person. <laughs> so that's why i don't do it but like willow is a great example she is that you know she's a securely attached stable like person and so she can look back and be like we had these good times and that's it and now i'm happily married to the woman of my dreams thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah no i think that that's that's a great way to think about it um is yeah is that it's like a you have to be able to look at it with with a with a mind that doesn't take you back to any sort of like, Oh my God, I really miss that person. Like, Oh my God, I'm so sad that this yeah. person is gone or like, this is going to interfere with my future relationships or like my, my ability yeah. to sort of be authentic to myself. Um, and that's really challenging. And I think it does take a certain amount of like emotional maturity to be able to do that. And if you are, that's great. And if you're not, and you want to throw everything out, throw everything out. Right. Like, yeah. I think that's the number one thing I want to say is that you're not a bad person for moving on and for Mm -hmm. getting rid of things like they don't. It's not like a voodoo doll sort of situation when you throw away a love letter they wrote. They like feel their arm cut off like this is about you and your personal belongings and your space and 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 whatever vibes or association you want to go with that. So Mm -hmm. um, you're just not a bad person. Plus, like. I made it, you know, I said this earlier, but I really do love like donating things because then I know that someone else will have a personal relationship with that sweater or that photo frame or whatever, and they can Mm. make it new again, you Mm. know? Um, but also like you can make it new again too. These personal meanings change over time. Um, but, uh, yeah, just get rid of it. Like Maria, Marie Kondo it. Yeah. I also like want to, I want to also like create space for the fact that sometimes like we're not able to get rid of things that remind us of our ex. Like I'm thinking about like I oh, slept yeah. in the bed that we slept in for years oh God, after we were in a relationship yes, because like, yes, yes. Cause beds are expensive and like totally. I was not in a place to be able to afford to do one. Um, tattoos, tattoos that you got with someone. Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. And so like, just want to also talk about how it's not always possible to Marie Kondo someone out mm-hmm. of your life. Um, and that, and I also just want to say, like, I want to normalize that, too, because I yes. feel like sometimes we're like, oh, my God, you sleep in the same bed that you slept in with your ex. Like you slept you like you still have your marital bed and you have like other people in it or like your boyfriend sleeps right. in that. I with know. you. And it's I like, know. 
Yeah, because beds are expensive. And also, like, I am literally sitting on <laughs> the bed that Willow shared with her last partner. I'm, I'm on it right now. And if I oh, stop, and, if I stop and think about it, and let, and let all of the insecurities say what they want to say, then <laughs> yeah. I feel uncomfortable. But I have to be the, the balanced one that says, like, don't. I'm not going to listen to those insecure voices. Instead, I'm going to listen to the facts of our life that we have built this <laughs> life together that we've gotten married. You know, it's like I, my, mm-hmm. the truth has to be louder than my insecurities. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so true. And it's not just beds. It's also like I had a kitchen table from an ex too, or totally. like I, I still have like pots and pans from my ex totally. and I, when we lived together, um, Here's a, here's a question. Do you, like when you started dating Peter, did you lie about where they came from? No. Hi. Yeah. You know me. No. No, you don't lie. (laughs) Well, I I just know in situations. I I lie all the time, but like not about that kind of stuff. (laughs) Depending on the situation, it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so is like, where did you get the, oh, this is such a beautiful picture. Where did you get it? I'm like, oh, I got a friend from a long time ago. Or do you say like the, my last love of my life? You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, I don't say the last love of my life. (laughs) Like Jesus. (laughs) Okay. But (laughs) moving on one more time, because I think it's worth it, but I want to get to our letters is, you know, something that is so a hundred percent real that I, I want to mention, but not totally get into is reusing (laughs) sex toys. Some people are, some people are really, one, you know, like, like one strap on per partner, um, yes. or it's the strap on for, you know, just like in, uh, how do I say this? Um, not heteronormative, but like people with, uh, genitals that are people with penises, like that penis is always the penis that they work with. Um, mm, whereas mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. with, um, store bought sex toys that could be you know changed over but in like the strap on using sex world some people are weird about sharing like oh you had this sex toy with the last partner interesting we should talk about that as a check-in for sure i don't even want to divulge (laughs) (laughs) so we can talk about it offline but yes and yes and yes and yes (laughs) Okay, because um, I have something like, fucking to, crazy to tell you about that personally. Okay. All right. Okay, <clears throat> but to go back to like what you said about like, do you tell the person that this is like the bed? I do it because I don't want it to be a thing. Like, I do it because it's like, yeah, yes. Like, I'm yes. gonna say this out loud so that you don't find out four months into our relationship that I've been lying about the fact that this was like right. the bed that we used. Right. Or, like, this was like right. the pot that we shared. Plus, um, plus, and, it's it's, it's speaking it's, truth to in to insecurity. It's like. That doesn't change the fact that I'm in a loving relationship with you. Exactly. Right? It's like one of those things where it's like, if we don't make it a thing, it's not a thing. Right. Oh my it's God, like, yes. Yeah. This is the pot don't that I had space. with my ex. These <laughs> Dutch ovens are very expensive. I'm not going to buy a new one every time I get in a new relationship. Honestly. <laughs> that same thing with strap on. Literally. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get into our first letter. I love that check in. Um, our first letter of this episode is from Hamster Real Hamster Wheel, who is writing to us from New York City. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I'm actually writing about a relationship that was short and ended a long time ago. Sometimes those are the doozies, huh? I just turned 30, exclamation point, and I dated this guy for four months when I was 28. I thought it was so sexy and so cool, and I was absolutely smitten. 
I was also pretty anxious and he was somewhat avoidant, though he was he thought he was secure. He lived like a hermit and hadn't had a real girlfriend in six years because he, quote, didn't want to lose himself in like he did to his high school girlfriend, who it took him years to really get over. During his no real girlfriend period, he had slept around with his friends. It had always been, quote, their idea. And he and there was, quote, never feelings involved. And it was just, quote, two adults owning their sexual independence, etc. Until he realized that he was actually looking for something more meaningful when he met me. There were these five girls that were close friends of his with whom he had varying degrees of sexual and romantic entanglements with from heavy making out to a few drunken sex nights to the high school ex-girlfriend he was with for four years. Those were his friends, basically his only friends, those women and their current partners. He had one good male friend, but he lived out of state. But his best friends were really these women, plus some other women he hadn't slept with. So, spoiler alert, I was hugely insecure and jealous for four months straight. I logically knew he was never into them, and he was really into me, and he tried to tell me and show me this, but I couldn't calm my anxious tendencies, so we fought so much. One week, I was so depressed, and we had plans with these ex-women three nights of the week, and we fought all week. The following weekend, he broke up with me. I was devastated for two weeks, and then when I was flying out of town to see family, I saw him at the freaking airport. I asked some questions I shouldn't have asked and learned he was going to an out-of-town wedding with the girl he had just met after we broke up two weeks ago. She lives in the South, and he lives in the Midwest. I was absolutely devastated. I thought that if I had a chance to become healthier, maybe we could try again. But he also said some pretty hurtful things to me at the airport, like the thought of going out with you again feels like getting punched. Oh, my Yikes. God. <laughs> oh, my God. We, we have the capacity to hurt each other so deeply. Seriously, that is rough. <laughs> I sent him a super angry follow-up email, and we haven't spoken since. Here's the issue. I'm still wrapped up in being hard on myself for being so difficult during that relationship. I was so unhappy and so unable to separate what I knew from what I felt. And I picked so many fights that I wish I hadn't picked. We probably weren't a match in the long run, but maybe we would have been happier or maybe we would have stayed together or maybe we'd at least be on speaking terms today. I don't know how to stop beating myself up for the way I behaved. Every time I read the description of a toxic relationship, I'm like, oh no, that was me. So how do you forgive yourself when you maybe really were the toxic one when maybe you really did ruin a potentially good thing? Love you both. All right, hamster wheel. Let's get a rolling. Mm. That's right. Let's get off this hamster wheel. Let's start moving towards an actual... Let's go that tiny water bottle with the little ball in it and just get some (laughs) nourishment. Let's let the hamster free. Let's let the hamster live (laughs) its life. Okay? Did you know when I was little, I had like (laughs) six consecutive hamsters named Fritz and they all... you've told this story before. (laughs) On the podcast? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Really? I think Uh, so. Back me up, listeners. Has she told the story before? Okay, funny thing then is that I had another letter picked out for today's episode that Sam was like, uh, we already answered this letter. (laughs) Yes. So my brain is is broken. Um so uh anyway, Fritz is R I P R I P R I P (laughs) Um Moving on, hamster wheel. Uh let's tackle let's tackle tackle the behavior first and then we'll tackle the regret. So you know mm-hmm. this. You've already beaten yourself up for this a ton, hamster wheel. 
but you were acting out as a part of this anxious attachment style that you have. You're, Mm -hmm. you know, basically what your subconscious brain was saying is, oh my God, because he had sex or romantic feelings for another woman, that means he couldn't possibly have them for me. Um, I need to act out in a way that pr- that he reinforces his love for me. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, I need to act out, start an argument, pick a fight or whatever it is so that he says, no, darling hamster wheel. I want and love only you and not anybody else like you. It's like a call and response sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, it's something that you and I anxiously attached folks learned when we were very young, yep. whether manipulatively or uh genuinely or from our parents or our first relationship or whatever we learn that when we feel insecure the thing to do isn't to look inward it's not to avoid it is to say oh my god i feel insecure please make me feel not insecure mm-hmm. make this wound you know acknowledge this wound make me feel wanted make me feel like you would choose me over them and that is okay that is the behavior that brought us to this point but at this point we're gonna do better that's that's Mm -hmm. how i talk to myself when i look back on those um anxiously behavior uh, when that when i look back on behavior that i regret like you're doing in this very letter i can tell myself that that behavior brought me to this point i might not be proud of it i might not love it uh, but it brought me to this point and I'm not going to bring it any farther. Absolutely. And I think that that's important <clears throat> context for us to say, like, we can always we can always figure out ways to change the behaviors that we don't want to be living in. And also, I want to say that having an anxious attachment style is not a pathology. It is not right. a, it is not something that's wrong with you. Right. It is just something that you have learned in sort of how you interact right. with other people. And I will say that that um, I want to let you off the hook a little bit to say that like, and coming up against a person with an avoidant attachment style, which this man clearly has, uh, even though he says he's secure, like the idea that he doesn't want a girlfriend because he doesn't want to lose himself is like, <laughs> like textbook. It is textbook avoidant attachment style, which is sort of why I love this letter because it is like, these are all the things that we're talking about, like in one letter, like this is like such a prime example of like anxious attachment style coming up against an avoidant attachment style, um, which is to say that like you are acting out in this way because the way that he's responding to you and the things that he's saying to you and the things that he's doing are trigger are like hitting every switch are triggering mm-hmm. everything that is in your mind as an anxious person. And this is like, this is what we talk about when we talk about like the anxious avoidant trap, right? It's mm-hmm. like when when folks who have anxious attachment styles come up against folks who have avoidant attachment styles, like it is just a an explosion in so many ways because like those two attachment styles are perfectly aligned to trigger each other. They in ways are the that middle then, like, school like <laughs> right? volcano yes. experiment. Absolutely. Like it is like, yeah, it's like putting vinegar and baking soda in a thing and like watching it just explode. Because that baking soda is like, I need to get the fuck out of here. And the Mm vegan vinegar is like, I need you to fix this problem. I mean, the the actual script of the anxious and avoidant is like, oh, my God, I need you to fix this. And then the avoidant is like, 
I need to fix this by getting the fuck out of here. So it's like, it's mm-hmm. this constant chasing thing. And that's why hamster wheel years later, years later, you're still like pining for the answer, yep. pining to fix this is because that's your emotional move to, to, mm-hmm. to go back to, to, to be present and fix it, you know? Yeah. And so like when you're like, I was the toxic one, I want to push back on that and say this relationship was toxic, but neither of you was like the toxic one, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. both of you are responding to this relationship in the the best way that you could. And the, the combination of you two just made it really, really unfertile ground for anything healthy to grow. So you are not a toxic person, right? Like there are people out there who are going to be able to support you in the way that you need to, to make those things that, that, that are triggering for you feel less devastating. Right. Yes. Right. And so like being in a relationship with a, with a person who is more secure, who is not going to be sort of like, get away from me with all of your like neediness. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, is gonna, is gonna help you find a way to be healthier in relationships. Right. I agree a hundred percent. And I'm actually glad that Sam went from like, did the thing that he always does really well, which is decriminalize an an attachment style, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're not broken because we have the attachment styles, but from one anxiously attached person to another, I do want to hold you accountable because while Sam's right, it does sound like this person is an avoidant person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in your next relationship, you might have noticed that everyone has a past. And I, uh, this is what I want to hold accountable is because I've been in a relationship like this where my boyfriend at the time was predominantly friends with women and had a history of sleeping with those women. And <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you, that drove me up the fucking wall. It made me feel so insecure. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to him, I don't want to, I feel like I'm slut shaming you, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I am not letting you have lady friends, you know, Mm -hmm. I I called myself out of it, but my insecurity, again, my anxiety was like, he's going to sleep with them and not you, or he's going to leave you. um, Or because he has attraction to other women, it means you're not attractive. Right. And uh, while I want to echo what Sam said of like, this isn't like a, this isn't a death sentence. This isn't a flaw in you. I do want to disrupt the narrative that I know anxiously attached people can have because in your next healthy relationship, you're going to come up against the same things. They might not be in the form of this avoidant man who has all female friends who he happened to sleep with. Um, but your exes are going to have histories. You know, I cannot, as much as I want to erase, you know, I'm, I'm married to a, a stable person right now who has dated other people. I'm sitting on their bed right now. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but okay. Go ahead. Interrupt no, but me. like, what is this, this boyfriend that you're talking about? The one that cheated yes, on you? Yes, a bunch? yes, 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 yes. So like, again, <laughs> right? Like <clears throat> he was not a trustworthy person. Like I want, I yeah. want to decriminalize you too, Sierra, as an anxiously attached person that like your concern about his ex-girlfriend ended up being real. <laughs> weren't over the ex-girlfriends really, right? It was about it was like a manifestation of also the fact that he was cheating on you all the time, right? Or like well, always had like a cheater mm, mindset. Yes. But 
And also, now that you are in a healthy relationship, you are much more equipped to be able to know that those things are happening. Absolutely. Like know that your ex or that your your current, your wife has had ex-girlfriends that have slept in the very bed that you're sleeping in. And you're like... Why would and you, you tell me that? Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Right? Like you are able yes. to, because she's a, a secure and trustworthy person. Yes. And Sam, yes. And <laughs> I know my heart and I know that even my sleazy going to sleep around on me ex didn't deserve the level of scrutiny that I gave him. Like, sure. uh, like I even even though he did cheat on me and all of my wildest anxieties were proved right, I know that I contributed to an unhealthy dynamic by being obsessively, obsessively anxious about all of his friendships. You know, like that is Many of whom were he was cheating on you with. Yes, I know, I know. But okay, so moving into this healthy, stable relationship, this is actually great because like, I do think you're right. But like moving into this relationship in which my wife would say, Oh, I won't hang out with this. No, no, she wouldn't because she's safe. But like, you know, she she's willing to do the things that would that would mm-hmm. calm my anxious mind. But she doesn't need to because not because basically I need to not ask her if I want to have a healthy relationship. It's not going to be healthy because my spouse isn't going to cheat on me. It's going to be healthy because I don't ask her to do irrational things to prove her love to me. It's about mm. the acting out. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, yep. it's, so everything we're saying is true, actually, because you're right. Like, I do need, like, talking about that ex of mine is a terrible example because he did fucking cheat on me <laughs> with his friends. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, exactly. Um, but with Willow, it's like, she, I need to, you know, because maybe, you know, Willow is a typical lesbian, friends with all of her exes, right? I can't ask her to not be friends with these exes because that would be me acting out on my insecurity. It would be me listening to the insecure voices more than listening to the actual truth, which is that she's an amazing committed partner who is friends with her exes because she's just, that's just who she is. Absolutely. And so that's that's what I want to say to the hamster wheel is like next time around, you do need to do better. Well, say it right for me. (laughs) Make it. No, I mean, <clears throat> I agree with you that like, yeah, but the thing that people who are anxiously attached to do is they be, is they take on the burden of every part of the relationship that went wrong. Mm, right? I like, will a hundred percent agree with that <laughs> <laughs> because the narrative that anxiously attached people tell themselves is that, um, I'm and I am completely unlovable all the time yes. and that I am so lucky to have anyone pay any attention to me oh, that if something that goes wrong so in this deeply. relationship, right? <laughs> if something goes wrong in this relationship, it's obviously my fault. I have been lacking. I didn't do the yes. right things. I, yeah. oh, I like it. And it might like, it even becomes then like I overburdened them with my anxiety. And totally. it's like, and so that's what I want to disrupt is like the narrative isn't that you you over anxious to this person into leaving you, right? Yeah. Because an anxious person in an in a relationship with a secure person, the secure person will meet them where they're at and say, yes. I understand that you are feeling weird about the fact that I'm half friends with my exes. There's nothing going on. I'm not going to cheat on you. Yes. I'm here for you. I'll answer questions about what we did and like what we talked You're about. You're actually... This is textbook what Willow says to me. You're right. Exactly. Right. And that's, and so I want to say like, you can be an anxious person in a healthy relationship. The things that you need as an anxious person are not 
bad things to ask for. Yes. To ask your partner to uh, reassure you, to ask your partner to to give you the details about what they're doing in order to make sure that you are feeling secure in their love for you is not a bad thing, right? Just as the same thing of like an avoidant person asking for space is not a bad thing. An avoidant person saying like, I'm overwhelmed right now. I don't know how to emotionally process all of this. And I'm feeling like I need to, to like take a step back. Yeah. Good. Right. Like if you have a person that you are with that is able to hear that and recognize that it's not about them, it's about you and what you need in this moment that's where healthy relationships come from. So like, I want like my quest of like the oh my, past six oh my God, months you're, you're is preaching like to me. deep path. Like mm-hmm. I, there's nothing wrong with anxious attachment styles. There is nothing wrong with avoidant attachment styles. There is something wrong when those, those things come together in ways that are unhealthy, but like mm-hmm. you can be in a healthy relationship and have anxious tendencies. You can be in a healthy relationship and have avoidant tendencies and finding the right person is really, really important in that. Finding the person that's going to say to you instead of like, I don't care what you think about the fact that all of my exes are, or my, all of my friends are my exes or like, is like, find someone who's going to be able to say like, yeah, I hear that. And I feel mm-hmm. that. And like, I want to let you know that nothing weird is happening here. And like, if you're overwhelmed with how much we're hanging out with them, like, let's have a date night instead. Right. Like that's how healthy relationships happen. And it's not, you didn't, you didn't over anxious this relationship into oblivion. Like this relationship was just bad to begin with. And it's not Mm -hmm. your fault. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm processing a lot right now (laughs) 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 because um, I think I, I just relate so deeply to the letter writer and their guilt. Um, And to be like, I, I did this, I did this and I pushed it. And so I'm, I relate mostly to that yep. and I want to mm-hmm. be like, yeah, hamster wheel, like we do push people really far and what can we do to, 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 to not do that? But I like your narrative way better. Of um, find a person who can be pushed or but, who doesn't but, make it feel like it's pushing. Where does it yeah, literally? Yes. And. And where does self-accountability come in? Because again, the point of this podcast isn't so that everybody can have a healthy relationship. The point of the podcast is to also remind people that like they are happy, healthy, whole on their own. So what does an anxious attachment style look like on their own? What alone, what can a hamster wheel do but until they find or if they never find that person who balances them? Mm-hmm. Um and yes, and yeah, no, all and of that's that. <clears throat> absolutely. And that's yeah. reminding yourself that you are mm-hmm. infinitely lovable, even if you aren't loved by one person, yeah. <laughs> one ro- like romantic partner in this reminding it, it, yourself that you there's an abundance of love for you from places where you might not be looking for yes. it, right? Like your friends and family or other folks, your chosen family, yeah. whatever it looks like. That are that are there well, for you and love when you. When I first really started unpacking my anxious attachment style hamster wheel, I really learned that it was about um I felt unlovable and that I couldn't nurture that wound myself. Mm-hmm. Even though I can, I just felt like I couldn't. It was like anytime mm-hmm. I felt anxious or unlovable or, or whatever it is, I would look externally and I, and I learned that move very young instead of being like, I'm okay on my own. How do I do this? And, and doing that internal personal work ha- prepared me for a circularly attached person so that 
Mm. I don't have to always ask Willow to comfort me. I can self-comfort. I can self-nurture. Absolutely. And I think that Sorry, that's, I cut you off. I know that's, stupid I Zoom. Think that's absolutely right. And then, and I think what I want to say is that like, it's not necessarily up for anxiously attached people to completely yes. change themselves. It is much more important for anxiously attached people to be more discerning in who they give that energy to, mm, right? Like, do not waste my your energy on dismissive or avoidant people and yeah. know what questions you need to ask early on and listen to the answers, right? Like yeah. this dude told you he was avoidant and like, didn't want, <laughs> like, yeah, didn't want to date totally. people because he didn't want to give me, like, totally. that should be like, red flag, red flag, like, not that I need to suddenly change myself to be attractive to an avoidant person, but totally. instead say, I need to not date avoidant people and we'll go totally. and, and break up with this person and find someone who's going to be better able to meet my needs, which are absolutely 100% legitimate, not pathological, not crazy needs. They are mm -hmm. like legitimately how you interact with people and how you perceive the world. And that's a, that's fine. That's not a bad thing. Totally. We all perceive the world differently. And so you just need to know yourself enough to say that person's not for me and I'm not going to waste my time on them because it's just going to make me feel, it's going to make me feel bad at the end of the day. <laughs> You're so right. This was a great conversation. Um, <laughs> also shout out to the book attached, which I read recently and has like totally <laughs> changed my worldview on actual attachment styles. <laughs> Yo, I get a thousand DMs a day asking about the author of it. So I'm going to tell y'all right now attached subtitle, the new science of att adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love by Amir Levine and Rachel SF Heller. Um, it was on my bedside table. That's why I could oh, grab perfect. it. So I was like, wow, you just like rattled that off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, Hamster Wheel, this was a very enlightening conversation for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was for you. And uh, I, I, I feel you in the sisterhood of anxiously attached people. And Sam and Absolutely. I are so grateful that you wrote. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes from Sad Girl, who is writing from The Void. Sad Girl writes, Hi, some of the stories on your show have been extremely helpful in my healing, but I decided to tell my story because I haven't heard anything quite like it on there yet. Thank you so much for listening, always. P.S. The story is a bit long, but the end is worth it. <laughs> so, I, so I am a graduate student, female, 27, and I got into an entanglement with my professor, Juicy. male, 33. Yeah, right. Uh, I also am so appreciative of Jada Pickett-Smith for giving us the term entanglement because I just, I love oh my it God. so much. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were flirty for a while and I could tell he found me attractive because not to brag, I am attractive, smart, hardworking, kind, funny, and interesting. And I was the one that pulled the trigger one drunken night and went over. We had an honest and open conversation the following week where we agreed we liked each other and would continue the relationship secretly. He had gotten out of a toxic 10-year relationship almost a year ago at that point, so I noticed his unhealthy relationship habits quickly. I got emotionally serious fast, and him telling me two weeks into us that he was holding back the L word. Mm. Then, about a month in, I felt him starting to pull away a little. The times we would get to see each other were on his terms due to his busier schedule. As the time went on, we saw each other less and less, but the time we did spend together became more and more serious and emotional. We did bring up that this was kind of a doomed thing from the start, since our area of work is so small and our relationship wouldn't be accepted. He would look bad for dating a student, and my career would be discredited since he is my direct direct mentor. About two months ago, we had a bad night, and I felt 
clearly disappointed and upset with us. I received a text later saying he's sorry for ruining my night, but he has way too much shit going on to be a good friend partner right now. And we should keep to ourselves. I was confused by what he meant. And he's since he's told me before, I'm the one person who knows the most about his life. We would still text occasionally the I miss you or a meme, but never had a conversation of where we are at now. Long story short, through the incredible female research skills, I found out he has been dating a married woman with a kid that works in our field for the past few years. I suspect he might have been seeing another one as well. All of a sudden, it all made sense. The weeks we would go without seeing each other were the ones he saw her then. His toxic relationship stories made me feel for his ex like I wasn't able to before. Mm. He doesn't know how I know this, and we haven't had a serious relation conversation since that night. I have been struggling big time with a not official breakup with a person I technically mm-hmm. never dated, who I also have to see on a daily basis. Oh Finding this out on top of me, on top made me feel embarrassed and stupid, but also glad to have dodged a bullet. We still get along well professionally and do have a friendly conversations over text. He would still call me pet names over text. Look, gross. But <laughs> has stopped since I would not reciprocate. AKA, he is keeping our relationship open so he can hop back in whenever he wants. My question is, how in the world do you go about moving on to the situation? He has the biggest role in my future career, and I plan on staying with in our area of study as well, meaning we will see each other even after I graduate in a year. As much as I would love to block, 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 I cannot. I want to have a conversation to redraw the boundaries, but don't want to be the one reaching out to do so since he hasn't made the effort either. I also wish I could tell him what I know and the pain that is underneath the smile I put on daily. I recognize this desire comes from wanting an explanation from him that I know will never help me heal faster. Mm -hmm. I am tired of being sad and anxious because it takes up the space in my brain I can be using to focus on my work and school. Knowing I am out of his league has made it a bit easier. Uh, I love that. (laughs) But his professional advancement over me backs me into an emotionally insecure headspace as well. Overall, this has been a shit show and I appreciate any thoughts and advice you can offer. Oh, sad girl. I fucking love you. And honestly, (laughs) this is like my weird number one advice that I'm feeling in my soul right now. Like, Mm -hmm. like just move the fuck on, like forget about him. (laughs) Like, I know that that sounds so simple and like every, you know, it's true. Like that's not as, it's not as simple as the sounds or whatever, but like this was, you know, there's no right or wrong decisions. There's no such thing as a real mistake, but like, this was a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) This was an, (laughs) this was an entanglement that you wish you weren't in. Right. And I would like, maybe this is the most unhealthy advice I've ever given on this podcast, but just like, (laughs) just forget about it. Just like move Mm -hmm. on, block them in your phone. Keep having that nice and, you know, cheerful and stupid conversations at work and just, and like, and like, recognize that he's going to go and ruin some other woman's life or have a great Sounds life. Like he's on ruining it. multiple women's re- lives right now. So like he's going to have a great life. Like he, he's just, it's just going to, he's going to just move on. And someday in the very near future, he's going to have literally no effect on your daily life or your emotional mood. So like, I'm just your, I'm not trying to be callous by saying this, but I'm a cheerleader in the corner being like, move on, forget about him, move on, mm-hmm, forget mm-hmm. about him. Like, because all of the good things are ahead of you and none of them have to do with him. Mm-hmm. That is very true. And also at the same time, <laughs> like your feelings are valid and I'm sorry, I'm such a dick. <laughs> and I just like one of the big things that, that upsets me about this letter is like, 
the behavior that he's exhibiting in sleeping with you and sleeping with like other people that he works with is like really gross and and be like beyond problematic and more so like reprehensible like Mm. the fact that he was your superior like the fact that he has control over the the trajectory of your career is it like it just makes my skin crawl that this type of person exists and that this oh, they're type of everywhere, person I'm sure. has like the has the power to be able to sleep with people and then control their careers after this. Um totally. And the fact that you feel like you are going to be discredited in your career because you slept with like you slept with this person and people are gonna take that as like, oh she slept her way to the top. It's just like fuck that noise. I'm just so it. over it. I'm so I just wish that men like this didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. And that they they dealt with whatever fucked them up in the first place in ways that didn't harm other people and <sighs> and and like fuck up the rest of those yeah. people's lives. Like honestly, fuck you're this. <laughs> you're on point with that because it's like what I was thinking I always think of in a situation like this is our capacity to hurt people when we're hurting, you know, mm-hmm. is like quadrupled. And whatever, this guy's on a journey um, and he obviously has his own um, pain, right, to deal Mm -hmm. with or needs that are being met in unhealthy ways. Because that's what it is, right? Nine times out of ten, our pain manifests in needs that we meet in unhealthy ways. And that's Mm -hmm. what he's doing right now. He's meeting it in unhealthy ways. And who am I to judge him for that? But Me. I'm going (laughs) to judge him. Fuck that. We all have yeah. hurt. <laughs> totally. And like one of the things that we need to do as people is to make sure that the hurt that we are experiencing does not hurt other people. Right. Like, well, I that's think that what that I was like, getting at. Yeah. Is that like, <laughs> right? perf- like, you know, at least just get your needs, your needs met outside of your field, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <gasps> oh, exactly. Right. Like, don't, don't, what is it? poop where you eat don't shit, shit where, where you, you eat, eat. Yeah, poop where you eat. <laughs> um but okay but also i, I hate that <laughs> because um oh, the reason why i hate that is because like we to ask people to not fall for people that they work with or in their fields is literally to ask people to not be 100 percent human um and i for don't sure. want to shame our letter writer for like falling into this entanglement because i think it's actually unfortunately really easy it's very fertile to for this to happen you know what mm-hmm. i mean you didn't um you did you put yourself in a position um that would increase your opportunity for hurt <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we do every day you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yep. i do agree with sam into saying like people in positions of authority need to think hard and fast about the actual implications and ramifications of their actions when it comes to interpersonal relationships, because we never it's it's, from what I've observed in life, we don't often we're not often in touch with our actual power in the moments of making those interpersonal decisions, you know, Mm -hmm. and he has power, you know, he has a power imbalance because he's the older um, direct mentor of you in this field. Um, And he should have been like, you know what, us doing this emotional entanglement as much as we want it isn't worth the the ramifications in the future. Um, So, yeah. 
But that being said, you guys were two humans who fell into this entanglement together. And now let's work on untangling it. Number one, you're hotter. Number cool. Two, <laughs> you're cooler. Number three, uh. your career might feel entangled with him. And I know that I don't know what your field is. You're telling me that it's small, but we often put parameters on our dreams and our and our future and and our our stress, our anxiety, our shame makes us feel like our options are a lot smaller than they are. So I'm just going to give like a general, even though I don't really know your field. Um, he is not as entangled in your career as you think, even though he might be your direct mentor, even though you might have to work with him for the rest of your life. He does not have control over your life and he is just a small blip in your story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, um, I don't really like this advice, but like <laughs> you are going to have to do in this situation what so many people, yes. and especially women, have to do every day, which is like, Ugh, I hate it. Go to work with the people, with the men, <laughs> mostly, who have done shitty things to them. Right. And like that's and who have some amount of authority and control over the trajectory of their careers. Right. Like I hate that I, ha I that I'm offering this advice because like it's making me squirm. Like what I really want you mm -hmm. to do is like talk to those other two women and like me to the shit out of this motherfucker. But like I also understand that that's not the road that that people want to go down sometimes. Right. Like that's not necessarily feasible or or helpful for you. And so, you know you have the ability to just sort of like put your head down and sort of accept that this is happening and get this year of school done so that you can find some other place to put yourself so that he's not directly in charge of you. Mm -hmm. um, and like, that's something that, that women specifically um, have been doing for a long time and it sucks, but, but there's a model for it, right? There's, mm -hmm. you have, you do have autonomy in this situation. You do right. have some sphere of control over what you do and where you go um and it sucks that this man has taken away some of that control but like you are not you are not just a helpless person in this situation you you do have autonomy yeah and you can choose to sort of figure out how you want to address this situation in a way that'll work well for you yeah and let me and let me address the pain too um a little bit more holistically than like you're cooler <laughs> um, <laughs> you didn't um break this relationship you were not undesirable and therefore he chose other people people he's on mm -hmm. his own path he's on his own journey trying to fulfill his needs in in what appears to us as two strangers across the world as un in unhealthy ways right ways that hurt other people but mm -hmm. you weren't undesired you you are very desirable you are very lovable um the like you said seeking logic in to to figure out why he didn't choose you or why this went wrong will will only prolong the healing what you have to recognize is that it wasn't healthy it wasn't right and it wasn't sustainable and mm -hmm. whoever chose to end it it doesn't matter it's it's ended and you're success your thriving is ahead of you i also want to encourage you to set some boundaries like i know in the letter you say you can't black 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 them but is there a way that you can only contact him during work hours or at the very least can you um block him on social media and ask him to not refer to you in pet names <laughs> Like that's right. so fucking weird. Um, mm -hmm. or, or like, or like give a personal rule. Like I do not talk to him outside of work hours mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I, 
don't have a normal job, but I remember when I did, um, you, you don't need to talk to your coworkers after hours. Like that's just not something you need to do. And you deserve these boundaries. Even if you're confused, even if he's hurting, even if you want to be desirable, like you deserve these boundaries. You're not being, uh, frigid or you're not, you're not, you're not hard to work with if you put up these boundaries. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, um, yeah, I think that those are all things that you can do. Um, and also just recognizing that like those boundaries are going to be hard to maintain in this situation, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, I think that's what's so, that's what I'm struggling with here is like, you can do all of those things. And also this is just such a, a um, common and also shitty situation to be in because it's like, how do you, how do you maintain boundaries with someone who, who it feels like has all of the power over your professional life. Yeah. Um, And he can interpret those boundaries however he wants and say like, Oh, this woman's a frigid bitch. I'm going to talk to every person in our field about how awful she is (laughs) or like how she's unprofessional or difficult to work with. Well, that's why I, that's honestly like, it might've sounded like haphazard when I was like, just move on. Um, (laughs) But I, but I think why I led with that advice was that this is going to be, 75% 75% mental. This is going to be you mm. mentally freeing yourself from this um, entanglement um, and being like, you know what? I'm going to give myself the, the, you know, it's head and heart work, right? It's, it's mentally being like, nope, he doesn't have access to that energy. Nope. He doesn't have access to this part of my emotions. Nope. I'm going to recognize that my life is better off without him in my bed. Nope. You know, like it's, it's going to mm-hmm. be the mental exercises of bigging yourself up, of repeating what you shared in this letter of like, mm-hmm. I am, I am not going to find my best self looking back, digging down into all of this mess that he left me with. I'm going to find my best self being like, no, I'm going to thrive in my career with or without you. I'm going to find another uh, healthy relationship that isn't, doesn't have to be hidden from my peers. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be that mental, like I'm a badass bitch and I'm going to move on. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to get through this year and then figure out a way to never have to work with you ever again, or figure out a way that we, you know, we'll see each other at conferences or whatever, and I'll be cheerful and stupid, but like, that's all you get of me. Right. Um, and it's not, and think, it's not just cheerful, stupid. It's like cheerful and fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like you can exude betterness, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and put up those boundaries, right? Don't let him call you those things. Mm-hmm. Um, don't respond to his text messages outside of work hours, you know, um, do what you can to preserve what you need to preserve. Absolutely. And then, become the badass that becomes the mentor to other women who won't sleep with them and then right. control their career trajectory. Right? right. Like, right. Like, you know, I think that that's, that is, I hope that you use this experience to like help, help other folks who might be in similar situations to be like the kind of mentor that you deserved. Right. And, yes. and to be the kind of mentor that that he wasn't, but that that would have been actually helpful for you. I totally um, agree. And that might be like like a consolation prize that isn't super helpful, but you know, I think that that the more that we can get folks to to do that type of work and recognize that, like, I'm not going to treat other people the way that I was treated, um, is how we begin to heal and begin to change some of the narratives that that we are 
talking about and also just like ship all men to an island somewhere and let them (laughs) let them be toxic on each other (laughs) (laughs) no that's gay bro um no i'm i'm thinking about it i'm super into it like all those men on that island (laughs) all right we're just kidding we love you men um sort of uh, okay. Uh, well, we love you, my dear. And thank you so much for listening. And um, we're sorry you're in this situation. We hope you feel a little bit less alone after hearing us rant about this guy with you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We love you. Thanks for writing. Our final letter comes from So Ready from California. Hello, hello. I've been listening to your podcast for the past year and just love it. I always recommend it to people and implement the advice you give in my own life. I'm writing because I hope you guys have some advice in regards to dating. Surprise, surprise. It seems there is this pattern within this last year or so that I swipe on the guy. We match both state. We are looking for relationships, have some good convo, which lead to a great date or two. And then after a month or two, poof, uh, they either ghost or decide that they're not ready for a relationship. I'm very much ready for a relationship and I'm finding this pattern a bit frustrating. Let me give you an example. I recently matched with a guy on Bumble late June. We texted and then had some phone calls and then had a socially distant first date on the beach, explained what we were looking for in a relationship and had a great date. Kept texting, had some more phone calls and a couple more dates. Both ended in some steamy makeout sessions. However, I know. However, after the most recent date, he goes a day without responding to a text. Turns out he had a really long work day and just didn't have the energy to respond to text until later that night. Okay, fine. I totally understand work can get busy. And I tell him, thanks for explaining. Hope work is good and it eases up sooner than rather than later. We text him more the next couple of days. And at one point I asked if we can do a phone call later this weekend. He goes two days without responding, a Friday and a Saturday. Sunday morning, I text, hey, is everything okay? He responds later that afternoon saying he had a long day and an anxiety attack and just shut himself uh off from the phone i say thanks for letting me know hope you feel better now i know it can be hard to reach out when anxious but even a text being like long day talk later would be appreciated i even offered to be there when he's anxious because i have anxiety myself no response cut to monday night he responds to my text from sunday saying he wishes he was better at reaching out when anxious and he should have responded sooner than he when he did he then follows up uh, with another text saying how he would feel like Uh, He would like to go out on a date again, but because of how high his anxiety is due to work and, quote, surviving a pandemic, he feels like he can't be dating right now. I say, okay, thanks for letting me know. I had a great time on our dates. And if he wants to go out again in the future to let me know, assuming I'm free if he does. All of this happened in a month or so. And I was I wasn't going on dates nor talking to any other guys. Just FYI. This example is the most recent in a string of men where similar situations happened. Things are going well, but then, quote, work is too busy or, quote, a family situation came up or the generic, quote, not ready for a relationship. 
which fine, I'm not going to force somebody into a relationship with me if they don't want it. I also don't want to dismiss the fact that these guys may be going through a rougher time or something really did come up or maybe they did think they wanted a relationship but actually didn't as time went on. But at the same time, my job gets busy too. I'm also stressed from COVID and navigating the new normal of life. And I also have anxiety that I'm treating with medication and therapy. So what is with these excuses from guys I've been going out with? I don't think I'm doing anything to drive these guys away. So my friends tell me, and I know not every connection is going to lead to a relationship. I also like to think that I'm a good catch late twenties, attractive, good personality, stable job in the STEM field. And I live in an apartment with just my cat in a part of the country where it's hard to live alone. Am I missing signals that these guys aren't ready for a relationship or am I putting out vibes that attract these unavailable guys? Or do these guys have different definitions of quote relationships than I do and don't realize it until it's too late. Any advice is appreciated and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. All right. So ready. We are so ready to respond to this letter. Thanks for writing. (laughs) Um, uh, this is a very familiar situation, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I th- for sure. I think a lot of people have written in about a similar sort of sentiment of like these, they're almost like spark relationships. Like they, not like the typical spark of like, oh my God, we totally sparked and then we were in love forever. But like mm-hmm. you flare up and then you die down and then it's gone. Um, mm-hmm. And they last like one to three months, maybe even three months is too long. Like, one to two months and um, they fizz out and they, I think they're particularly frustrating because it's like just enough time to start getting attached or start getting, start feeling like it's a commitment, you know, a time commitment at least. Uh, And then they phase out and you're like, well, what the, what the fuck? I would have rather known this day one. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and we talked about this, like we're both looking for a relationship. Like why is, why the sudden change of heart after we've done the, the honestly grunt work of like the first month of a relationship, like talking about things that we need to talk about. Like it's hard to be that vulnerable. Awkward first kisses. Yeah. Yeah, That many times, right? Like the first month of dating. It feels like an investment. You're like putting in the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no return. And you have to like share parts of yourself, right? You have to display vulnerability (laughs) to then have someone be like, actually I'm really busy at work. And like your vulnerability is appreciated, but like not taken, which is just like, yeah. Here's small t- side note tip for people. And this goes to myself as well. If you ever need to like break up with someone because you truly are busy with work or truly are just like feeling like maybe it's not a b- good time for you yeah, to just have a relationship. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Publish a book. You know, that's what we're going to do with this advice. Ghost them every page. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think uh, make sure you say like, I know everybody says this, but really. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. um, So what would you say to So Ready? It sounds like So Ready definitely knows like some of this stuff is real and, you know, like pandemic dating is stressful and anxiety is, you know, work is hard and yada, yada, yada. But like, what would you, what's your number one advice? I would say that, um, my number one advice for you would be to um, to not make try and make sense of the chaos, <laughs> right? To like not look at this as a pattern of wow, I'm dating all of these awful, these really bad men, and instead say like, I'm just in this world of dating, um, 
because I don't want you to like pathologize mm. this or say like, oh man, I'm only dating men who are emotionally unavailable. I think that you've had a string of like, of sort of like, honestly, relationships that are really difficult in the time of COVID, right? I mm. think that actually we get a lot of letters from folks who are like, I've been dating this person for this many months and then they sort of are like, can't handle it anymore. And it's like, part of it is that we are in such a crazy stressful time right now that like, I don't necessarily blame folks for not being able to sort of embark on relationships, but I, mm. I don't think that there's anything wrong with you. I don't think you're picking the wrong guys. I don't think that you are like not being clear about your intentions. I think that you've just sort of in a random way hit on a number of folks who aren't ready for a relationship when they thought that they were or not honestly maybe just not ready for a relationship with you which is also like something that's real um but i don't want like i don't think you're doing anything wrong i don't think you're attracting the the wrong people i think that this is just like a string of unfortunately bad situations yeah and i mean something maybe in the future is like well no it's hard because she said that they com- they communicated really regularly up until those those weeks, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I guess like I think these situations are particularly difficult because you what I was originally going to say and then like stop myself was mm-hmm. well the next time he goes more than two days without communicating to you like that's it okay thanks for talking bye like what yeah, you know <clears throat> but then the the reason why I stopped myself was like. Well, you, uh, what's hard is that you've invested enough time that you want to mm-hmm. be compassionate and understanding. It's like mm-hmm. you've, you've invest, you want to be that kind of person who's like, of course, work is stressful. Of course, I understand with anxiety. Like next time, maybe do the, you know, like she even offered him this compassion, which is, I think, something I, I would try to do. But it's hard to establish those boundaries when you, when you are invested a certain amount and you want to be kind and compassionate. Absolutely. And like, I think that all of the things that you've been doing so ready are, are, are really great to say like, Mm -hmm. this person didn't text me for two days. And then I was like, Hey, listen, next time, please just like send me a text. And that Mm -hmm. says, and then, you know, if that happens again, you can say like, okay, well you didn't do that. So now like that boundary is fixed. Right. Um, like you're doing all of, honestly, what I would say to you so ready is that you're doing all of the right things to prevent these, these like situationships from mm-hmm. getting worse. Honestly, mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. this is like a preventative thing for you. It's like the things that you're doing are actually being really effective in making sure that you don't, you find out within two months that these people aren't the people for you, as opposed to being in a situationship with them for nine months and then Mm -hmm. suddenly being like, fuck, I've invested this much time in this person. And I think it's like, what I want to say is that like, I don't actually think it's possible to like be able to screen people on like the first or second date for all Mm -hmm. of the things that we need to like it. Sometimes it does just take time for sort of their real personalities to come out Um, like their real behavior and relationship to come out. And what's great, I think, for you, So Ready, is that you are able to discern that early on in a relationship and not let it get to a point where where you've wasted a whole lot of time on these people. I would also say, like, in order to help you make sense of some of this stuff, because maybe that's also what you're looking for, too, is like, feels like these people are lying to me. There's a couple things that I would say to you about that. Like, one Mm -hmm. is um, folks who are in a... Of, of have avoidant attachment styles 
do want relationships. Mm. <laughs> like in their mind, they do want relationships. And so they will say, yes, like, I mean, some of them will be like, I don't want a relationship because I don't want to be tied down. But many of them, like people who are avoidant still want love, still want affection in the same way that everyone else does. Um, and so they will say, like, I do want someone to be to be in a relationship. But then, like, once the relationship part starts happening is when, like, the avoidant tendencies come out. And so so thinking about it in that way, right, like these men aren't necessarily lying to you. They're just lying to themselves. So, like, that might give you a little bit of cold comfort in this or, or help you make sense of why this is happening. Um, and the second thing I would say is that, like, even though folks might be ready for a relationship, they might you not be ready for a relationship with you. Yeah. And that is okay, right? It's yeah. a, it is okay to, to find that out after a month or two of a relationship. That's what dating is, is like trying people on. Yeah. And not being, and realizing you're not ready for this type of relationship. You're not really into this person. You're not, you thought that you were ready to go, but you're really not ready to go. Um, and like, that sucks. And I wish that it could be like, Mm-hmm. Give me the app, the app that says like we're compatible a hundred percent and we're both ready for this type of relationship at this exact moment. But like that doesn't exist, and sometimes we have to go through life trying things on and realizing like, oh, it's not actually a good fit. Shit, I wish right. that I hadn't spent that much time doing it, but that's the way it works. That's how you find relationships is like mm-hmm. trying things and 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 finding out eventually that they work or they don't work. I think also I like what you said about um, it's. It's almost like a coincidence this is happening. You're not attracting this type of person. I think nine times out of 10, the patterns that we find in the universe aren't actually real. We, mm-hmm. we look for a narrative that reinforces the loudest voice in our head. And right now, the loudest yep. voice in your head is like, I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing something wrong. I must be attracting these bad people. You know, you're not doing anything wrong. You're like Sam said, you're putting yourself out there. You are upholding, you know, appropriate boundaries. You are mm-hmm. being vulnerable. Um, and the pattern of these people you know, these spark relationships that die out after a month or two is, is not actually a pattern at all. It's just proof of putting yourself out there. It's proof of living. Yeah. And I would even say it's not even a pattern. I would say that it probably is a pattern because a lot of relationships work like this. Like it is not a Mm. a pattern that is specific to you. You are not inviting these sort of flash in the pan relationships. You are like, that's just I don't know how to tell you how many times I, how many men I dated who were like, yeah, this is really, this is going really well for like the first month. And then it was mm. like, oh, they ghosted me or like, oh, yeah, they maybe texted we me should, and they were like, maybe we I'm should not normalize, super into you. <laughs> we, we should normalize that like most relationships end. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that like batting average. They all right? end sometimes in death, but otherwise yeah. just because you like fall out of love with each other. <laughs> yes. You beautiful, morbid man. Um, <laughs> Like, you know, if I look at my entire dating history, they've all failed so far. And do I say that (laughs) I can find a pattern in that if I try very easily? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like if I listen to the loudest voice in my head, which is that I am unlovable. It's like, oh, here's all the proof that I am unlovable because all of these relationships failed. Not recognizing that relationships inherently fail because we are two fallible humans getting smashed together. Um Mm -hmm. It's not about six relationships are not about success rate, because mm. if we base it on success rate, there would be just one successful relationship hypothetically or two or zero or whatever. Um, yep. p- the patterns that I see that are real are the ones that we fa- that we fall in love with people that 
um, you know, our, that, that remind us of our parents or fulfill our mm. understanding of love or whatever, but that does not seem real to me here. So I just want to disrupt that narrative a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to further disrupt, right? Like I would, what I would encourage you to do is to look at this pattern, not as a pattern of you attracting emotionally unavailable men, but instead as a pattern of you weeding out people who would be a long-term waste yeah. of your time, right? Like you <laughs> yeah. are, you are really successful in that, a right? Long-term waste of your time <laughs> episode <Right>? title. <laughs> <laughs> and so like you are actually being really successful in knowing what you want, discerning your boundaries, like holding people accountable to the things yeah. that you ask them to do and understanding that like after two months or whatever, after a month, like this person isn't for you or like making it really apparent to the person that you're not for them too, right? Like yeah. that's also a success is being like, here's what I want out of a relationship. Here's what, here are the expectations that I have of us. Here are the accountabilities that I want from us in relationships and having someone be like, that's not for me is actually a good thing. It mm -hmm. like prevents you from being in a long-term relationship where neither of you is actually getting what you want. So like the pattern here is actually a, a successful pattern of weeding out people who aren't right for you. And that's yeah. a good thing. I totally agree. Cool. Um, so ready. You can be ready still. Um, keep showing up. Keep putting yourself out there. You, you're, you're doing the right thing. I know that it can be tiring, but like being like being human is tiring and it, and then that never goes away. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking from somebody who is happily married, like it, it's still work. It's still showing up. It's still trial and error because none of us came with like a instruction manual. God, wouldn't that be wonderful um, if oh my we God. just like carried around an instruction manual that we and How our to partners interact could read? with a dismissive person? Flip to page seventy four. Here's exactly. your script. Just break up book coming in two thousand twenty one. That's not that's not actually happening. Everyone, no. don't get your hopes up. It is fucking happening. I'm fucking manifesting it. Anyway, so ready. We love you. We believe in you. Keep showing up. You're doing. You're on the right path. Um, Absolutely. We love you. Thanks so much for writing. All right, that brings us to the end of the episode and to the blind date segment of our show. Every episode, we like to shout out something we want to set you up with. This week, we are sending you home with... A TV show called Alone. Have you <gasps> heard of this? Uh, no. Maybe I have. Tell me about it. <laughs> um, so it is a uh, competitive survivalist Oh my God. Show. I have I never thought you were going to say that. <laughs> out, of the, out of the blue. Go ahead. Um, there is one season on Netflix currently, which I would recommend starting with. It's the most recent oh season. Um, and basically the premise of the show is they take 10 um, people who are very skilled in what they call bushcraft. Um, uh, yes, that was my early 20s as well. <laughs> Get it? Lesbian joke. Yep. 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 Okay. Uh, who send, and they basically send them out into the wilderness and they have to survive as long as possible. And the person who survives the longest, when I say survive, like they don't die, right? They just like last out there. Mm -hmm. um, the person who lasts out there the longest wins $500,000. Um, and it's like, there's no camera crews, right? They all, they, it's all self-filmed. So there's, it's not like survivor where you're like, yeah, there's a craft services cart, like, on the mm -hmm, next beach, mm -hmm. right? Like it's like literally they are trapping their own food. They are hunting. They are like picking wild berries. They are like this making is, their shelters out of nothing. This is very surprising because it's coming from a man who doesn't want to camp because yeah, he says, no, why sleep out inside when you can sleep 
Outside Listen, when you, yeah. Okay, go ahead. My blind date is not to go on the show. My blind date <laughs> is to watch it because it's wild. Um, Girl, I'm camping to this tonight. So I'm going to send you some pictures from it and be like, I'm out in the lo- alone in the upstate wilderness. I don't know why I have an accent, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. But they're not, like, they don't bring any food. They have 10 items total that they can yeah. bring. Um, and iPad. so it's like iPhone. Yeah, I'm right. sorry. Go ahead. Get, that get would be the me. blind date. Like, bed, wine, <laughs> house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it's like it is the things that they do are just like crazy. Like it's so amazing to see these people like figure out how to do it. And some of them are really bad. And like that's also a little bit like yeah, like yeah, a little yeah, Schadenfreude yeah. at like how bad they are at this. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. The most recent <laughs> season, they sent them to the Arctic. Um, and they had to like survive there and like, oh my God, oh my God. This it was is so it was cute. Wild. I love learning about you via the podcast. <laughs> um, and so then like I watch it and then I was like, so now I have a lot of opinions about like survivalism, but I have like <laughs> zero actual authority to have, which is exactly I swear to God, what please, this podcast is about. <laughs> please go camping with me. It will be no, fun. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. 2021 <laughs> camping trip and book. Okay. Um, but I would say watch the most recent season on Netflix because for me it is the best and like the things that the, like one man lost 80 pounds because he like wasn't because he wasn't getting enough food it was Aww. so weird um, and just a caveat to folks who are um, animal lovers or vegan mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of content of them killing animals and then eating them so like mm. just so if that's something that's going to be weird for you don't do it my, my hairdresser who is a uh, a vegan also watches it and she's like is it fun for me to watch them like skin an elk no but like the show is so good that it's worth it so um it's called alone the most recent season is on netflix there are older seasons on hulu but i would start with the most recent one and then go back because like the this most recent one will get you hooked as hard Cute. as i am hooked because i'm it gonna is... watch it immediately <laughs> okay please do and it's also like it's survivalist right so they're all real kooky they're all very bizarre. They like sing songs and like hug trees and like dance around with like animal pelts. It's Do you, is it's this wonderful. how you imagine my childhood? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Alone on Netflix. Got it. All right. Uh, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions of all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow us on Spotify. Oh my God, changing this group. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And if you aren't already listening to on Spotify, please remember that we are switching to 100% exclusive on the Spotify app starting October 19th. Which you can listen to for free. Yes, 100% free. You don't have to pay a single cent. You don't have to put a credit card anywhere near that app unless you absolutely want to. (laughs) Um, But we please follow us on there and and make that migration so that you can continue listening to our episodes. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving us relationship advice. That's right. Original music, recording, editing, producing, managing all magic things by our good friend Big Cats, who is also Spencer. There's been some... (laughs) 
there's been some tweets and DMs about people realizing that Big Cats is Spencer. <laughs> he has two names. I know it's very confusing. I for years didn't know that he was the same person either. So I'm like, I'm 100% understanding of that. I love everyone associated with Just Breakup. Um, make sure to check out Spencer's <laughs> podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, it is time to love yourself wholly. You are honestly, the most committed partner you will ever have. So you can now show yourself love free, freely, joyfully, abundantly. And when you make a mistake or find yourself in a situation that no longer serves you, you can show yourself empathy and gentleness. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs> <laughs>